Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator, and I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Daniel Kibblesmith, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie, I assume, the Falcon, Sam Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists. This August 31st, not only two months before Halloween, but here live for our podcast at Main Street Comics in Middletown in the greater state of New York. And right away we say, Excelsior! True believers to our 80th birthday party for Marvel Comics number 1000. He's Peter Melnick. <laughs> no, I'm Stan Lee, true believer. Oh, and I'm Eddie Wilson. Special guest we want to introduce right away. Forget the rigmarole. We're going straight to it. Yeah, you guys can go to the contents of this Emmy episode. Emmy-nominated TV writer, cartoonist, and author, and anything else I might have missed, Daniel Kimblesmith. Welcome and thank you. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad I'm not the only person uh, who starts celebrating exactly two months before Halloween. Good man. Good answer. I'm you late can, at that, you actually. You hear people clapping because this is a live show. That's all right. You can do, if you want to do louder, that's okay, too. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be more cake. We we, have, we want to thank the folks here at Main Street Comics and I think Kat's mom for making the, the birthday Marvel cake. That'll be part of the uh, posting Hi, for the Kat. podcast as well. Thanks, Kat. And thanks, Nick. Ducky, I guess, right? And any the other Duckster. staff that, that helped put, us, put this together and, and get us here. So, rigmarole. If you must. Well, we can. you can listen to the uh, other episodes, or you can see in the contents of this episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. But on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're at... The Marvelous. There we go. And yeah, just check us out on all of our other social media platforms and so forth. But like we said, this is the 80th anniversary of Marvel Funny Books, and there's a lot going on. This week, the Marvel Comics number 1000 dropped, and Daniel, you got to read it, I imagine... I'm pretty sure I read all of it. Now that you mentioned it, I might be like two pages shy of the end. There's a lot. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to get through. There's a lot of creative teams involved that shocked me that I saw like reunited. There were some that were combined for the first time. I'm enjoying the book and yeah, Eddie. Uh, likewise. And I don't know. I think there were, I don't know, eight, ten, how many variant, variant, uh, there variant were many. editions? There was many Outside variants. of the main one, but I happened to pick up the uh, Captain America one. As is my cosplay nature. But I think there was a She-Hulk one, there's an Avengers one, there's an Infinity Gauntlet one. Those are the only ones that I've actually seen. So, uh, any others, Dan? I've seen some of them on social media. I haven't haven't seen any in the wild because I picked this one up digitally. I'm Mm -hmm. partial to the uh, Storm variant, I believe, by uh, Jen Bartell. She's the one that does uh, Blackbird with Sam Shumphreys. That's so, that's him. Yeah, which I, I have in my bag, by the way, the Blackbird it's trade. I read that on the way here, and so I cannot good. recommend it more highly. And I know, oh, I mean, that's Image. I mean, can we talk about Image on a Marvel podcast? I think um, so. Unaffiliated, know. right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm a fan, uh, and also of all things, Jen Bartel. <laughs> yeah, her art is fantastic. And when I saw that cover with all the different variations of Storm, it ties over too with her uh, the Storm story that's in the book, mm-hmm. and just fantastic art. Now, for those that may not be aware, podcast listener or otherwise, in, in studio, in comic book store, store. not, um, Daniel's been on the podcast a couple of times. I think I missed both He's, of them. Yes. yes. For one reason or another. 
Well, the same reason you repeated. and I are finally, this is our epic it's, first meeting. It's, re- it's ridiculous. I mean, it's great. Um, it's, we're heading for a showdown. But show I think down. what we want to talk, because I usually get into the, hey, how, what's your origin story? What's your backstory? And why do you like comic books? That kind of thing. But I think we want to go to, um, well, we touched on Marvel Comics 1000, but maybe the stuff that you're doing now. So why don't we go uh, maybe with that? Sure, I would love to. Well, uh, right now, uh, as the people in the room uh, can see laid out in front of me, I am the writer of the new ongoing Loki series. Uh, with uh, Oscar Basildua uh, penciling and uh, David Curiel on colors uh, and the amazing uh, Clayton Cowles on lettering. And uh, yeah, if you don't know Loki, uh, he's... uh, Yeah, y'all know Loki. Come on, he's in the movies. (laughs) So yeah, Loki's a trickster uh, and he's uh, Thor's uh, sort of brother. Uh, And uh, they had this um, big uh, giant event uh, recently called the War of the Realms, uh, wherein uh, all of the uh, Frost Giants and uh, Malekith, the Dark Elf, came to take over uh, all of the the worlds. And uh, Thor and the other superheroes uh, banded together, and Loki was uh, instrumental in in defeating them. See, side side note, Malekith, my man. <laughs> oh, is there a pronunciation the only one, war? The only one, one that I know more, that's going to say Malekith besides me is more because no one cares about Thor: The Dark World usually. So the, the n- film, yeah, and people tend to forget that. Oh, yeah, the villain was Malekith. So Eddie, you yeah, know, and when Peter offhand. had our podcast cards made up, he had to make sure that Eddie readily knows the name of the villain in Thor: The Dark World. It's here, really. Ask him, Malekith. Yeah, look, there's there's twenty five of those movies now, right? You can be forgiven <laughs> for occasionally forgetting who the bad guy was in at yeah, least one just of them. Became indelible like the Sharpie that you're going to use later. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, long story short, Loki is king of Jotunheim now. Jotunheim? Jotunheim. <laughs> we got it. And, uh, Depending where yeah, you're from. He's king, king of the Frost Giants, and because he was their uh, small little cast out, they're not crazy about that. Uh, they have mixed feelings uh, about uh, this kind of uh, quasi-Asgardian outsider being their new king. And Loki also has mixed feelings about having responsibilities. So the first thing he does is kind of... Uh, they, um, I probably shouldn't swear. He f's off uh, to Midgard. Uh, fancies to, off. He fancies off uh, to try to do superhero stuff like his brother Thor. And I've got to say, first off, right off the bat, when you see the cover alone of number one, just that usage of the rainbow bridge, and it's just gorgeous looking stuff, and it tells a story, a strong story, you know. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, it really, it really lets you know what we're in for, which is this is. Loki uh, bumming around. You know, this is Loki going places. He's not just the villain of Asgard in our story. He is a uh, loose cannon in the Marvel Universe who ostensibly is trying to do good things, but who knows? He's Loki. Now, when you say loose cannon, are you referring to in the style of like maybe a uh, Dirty Harry kind of loose cannon, or are we going with... This joke went nowhere, pretty but with, much. With yes. an axe. <laughs> Dirty Harry with a Bjorn Jordan. It, I like that. The uh, yeah, the fabled axe of young Thor. So, see that even the babies like us. Yes, especially the babies. We got some good audio there. Um, how much time? And I'm, I'm thinking of it in terms of writing a song. How long did it take for this story concept to come about for you? Before, of course, you getting released the next kind you of know, thing. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to measure because it depends on sort of like what um you chunk of it you're looking at like there's uh when you're starting a brand new series we talked with the editors for a really long time about having like a really big rich like kind of almost like a show bible you know of like what our what our attitude was and our approach and our take on the character and uh where 
um, where it could go, and then what's the first arc? Like, what's the best arc to introduce that? Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, with the brainstorming that comes before the actual writing, uh, we've been working on this for months. You know, we were working on this before War of the Realms, I think, even started. Uh, and we had some idea that uh, Loki would, um, let's without spoilers, let's just say there's a heroic sacrifice involved. Mm -hmm. uh, and that at the end of it, uh, he'd be coming into his own his own solo title. So you're, you know, the Marvel Universe is, I think, for a while, maybe still had the world's record for, like, the longest continuous collaborative story. Like, that was a real thing in Guinness, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if Secret Wars, like, nuked all that and they had to start <laughs> over. And we have to keep mm -hmm. making Marvel Comics for another 80 years. Uh, but... Uh, the point is, um, I'm working with, you know, what, literally dozens, if not hundreds of collaborators in in some ways, because it's a shared universe. So uh, the editors are these, you know, masterminds who kind of uh, put the creative teams together and, you know, make sure nobody's clashing and, you know, you can't, you, you know, Daredevil's not Daredevil right now, so he can't yeah. be in his costume and, the, you know, things like that uh, to keep it all straight, because that's what people like about it. And that's what people like about the movies, too. It's continuity driven and um things happen and they matter when they happen i think a robot just gave birth <laughs> <laughs> or had to go same one way or earlier yeah i was just thinking too when you we were talking about and we'll get to the other titles that we have displayed here as well um this is not the first loki title and no, folks I, should know the difference, I think, because yeah. they're all they're all I think short, yeah. relatively short uh, runs. So volume three, by the way, the internet reckons it. I think on, so. Like yeah. the fan wikis and stuff like that, which, by the way, are an invaluable thing for writers. They're so know. helpful. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this last time. I love the fan wikis, and if if y'all are updating the fan wikis, God bless, because I couldn't do this job without other people keeping it straight. We're just going to credit Doug in the audience for that. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> Um, yeah, stuff like um, stuff like uh, knowing when and where certain things happen and when certain characters were introduced. Because um, I wasn't the hugest Asgard guy coming in. Um, I knew Loki uh, and Thor mostly from like other Marvel Universe appearances, uh, like when Loki uh, goes and hangs out with Squirrel Girl and stuff. So I, I left the character. I always left the character. Um, but I didn't read uh, a ton of Thor uh, until I started talking about actually writing uh, the character. And then, you know, I did obviously a major catch up and fell in, fell in love with with everything. Uh, but, I mean, you'll see that even the first the first arc is largely just Thor in Midgard. And it's all about the new status quo of the two kings, the two brothers on their sort of twin thrones. Um, yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten into a bunch of uh, Asgard stuff yet, uh, but I'd I'd like to go I'd like to go back eventually. But we've seen so much of that that I think um, you know Rainbow Bridge turning into the Brooklyn Bridge kind of says it all. He's he's hanging out with us for a while. And in regards to the Loki series, you're actually bringing other characters from the Marvel universe in to interact with him. With number two. Iron Man is in there. That's right. He's, he's right on the cover, unless you're waiting for the, the sexy Loki Babs Tar reprint cover. What? Uh, that we put on the internet the other day and my Twitter exploded. Um, but yeah, Iron Man is the uh, special guest star in, uh, in number two. Um, the, the synopsis uh, number two that I put online is that Loki goes to Iron Man's house and subsequently gets yelled at. Um, and uh, I, I, well, I stand by that. That's I can see why he's trying to put horns on, on Iron Man's helmet. Right on the cover. And that definitely happens inside the magazine, right? That's it's a nice not... look. 
It's I mean, a devil look. Loki is nothing if not about a nice look. Absolutely. And uh, inside inside the magazine as well. Um, and if you know if you go online, you'll you'll have it spoiled for you. But inside, he's got a very snazzy new outfit uh, when he's walking around in street clothes. Personally, green and gold is a wonderful color combination. Shout out to the Oswego Lakers. Alumnus. Yeah, I'm sure it's some colleges. <laughs> yes, colleges. Yeah. And in regards to also this year being the Marvel 80th, you're doing a series that is a part of that. You get to be a part of all these different storylines going on, the Marvel mythos. And with the Marvel mythos, what are some of your favorite Marvel stories in the 80 years of Marvel? Yeah, I, I thought about this a little bit uh, beforehand, and it's hard because, you know, I guess I guess uh, like the esteemed record keepers at Guinness in my head, it's just like this one big story, like this one big blob. But um, the stuff that I came to uh, when I was getting into comics was um, the the Claremont uh, and largely burn X-Men uh, is, is unassailable. And I think that sort of like taught me the language of superhero comics in a lot of ways. And then at the same time and, and in the same kind of educating fashion, um, the, the Lee Kirby fantastic four, um, especially when you get around the sort of the forties through the seventies, uh, and, uh, you know, the frightful four and the, the coming of Galactus, like that was the stuff where I really realized that there was more to, um, these characters and the emotions that they were going to elicit in me than uh, watching like the the Ruby Spears Superman cartoon. Oh you know? yeah. So I'd say those were really those were really formative. Um, I loved uh, Nightcrawler uh, mostly from video games before I started reading comic books. So um, I got into the uh, the Claremont uh, Alan Davis uh, Excalibur uh, pretty early. Um, and, uh, that was huge for me because it showed that they could be funny and they could be silly and weird and sort of refuse to explain themselves. And now that I'm an adult rereading it, it's like, I kind of wish it explained itself a little more, uh, but I'm still in love with it. Have you ever read the Dave Cockrum, uh, Nightcrawler miniseries? Yes. Such yes. amazing stuff. Which is also super bananas. <laughs> it pirates. is so out there. Yeah. Like little blue cherub things. Yeah. The Bamfs. Uh, yep. <laughs> the bad, the bad Smurfs, maybe I don't know. <laughs> the alter, the anti Smurfs. I believe they are Smurf inspired. I, th- I think it's like I a, wouldn't be surprised. Smurfesque. Yeah, <laughs> they contain Smurfitudes. Different shade. Um, and then, like in more more recent like runs, like things where it's like I'm really trying to seriously write comics. Um, I was really into um, the Bendis Malieve Daredevil. Um, the sort of Marvel Knights uh, Daredevil um, and uh, that was one of the things where I was sort of like okay this is like what this is sort of what adult-ish crime-ish comics that still have superheroes in them are now and um, uh, in the same way that Jessica Jones kind of uh, I don't want to say uh, spun out of that in a spiritual way but in my mind they're connected because it's this idea that uh, we're going to assume that this is in the real world and not in like a not in like a gritty way or like an R-rated way, but just in a sort of um, uh, it is interesting to to see how this plays out if you approach it with sophistication, kind of way. Um, and uh, Matt Fraction's uh, Iron Man and Hawkeyes uh, the, were both the, huge. The Hawkeye run is still one of my personal favorites in the past ten years, and it's such a gorgeous book to look at. You have David Aha's art on there, just it's like channeling David Mazzucchelli. And yeah, 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 for sure. The, and then when it breaks into the the Annie Wu stuff, when they split split their ways, and it becomes a a, a trade off, uh, the L.A. stories and the New York stories. There's so much 
it's the aha art is very very consistent but on the whole there's so much variation in that book um and a lot of it's in the coloring and uh, the covers are so stark and iconic and you can see when all of the sort of uh, arcs begin and end uh, via the covers it's it's so well done it's speaking the language of comics on every level the first issue alone with the usage of the color purple is phenomenal so just gorgeous to look at fantastic to read cannot recommend it enough each of us I, I, we should check it out sometime recommended totally many times to cover <laughs> me too yeah yeah exactly so this obviously then is the most current thing you've on but the other l title and we go we'll go from there and whatever order you want to mention them is uh, Lockjaw. That's right. I'm going alphabetically through the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. um, which unfortunately is a good joke, but not true. Uh, yeah, well, Little Bo Peep is copyrighted, so you couldn't go there, I guess. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's not public domain yet. She's grown up now, too. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I did a, a Lockjaw miniseries before this, a four-part uh, series with Lockjaw as the title protagonist. Uh, where we settled the definitive origin of Lockjaw. I know there's been some controversy over the years, but he's clearly a dog. That's not me. That's that's the text. I personally misheard that. By the way, is duck. I'm like, yeah, that does kind of look like a duck. No yeah, way, it does clearly a duck. duck. No, there's there's some. You know, you can go back and find it. There's there's some talking lockjaw in Marvel history, and then there's some uh, some retconning where we say, hey, just kidding, that was a prank. Uh, and uh, in our miniseries, we we hopefully put it to bed. Uh, once and for all. Well, there isn't a non-tuning fork lockjaw, is there? I mean, jeez, I, I can't not have that. I don't that. think so, but sometimes when you're making the toys, it's painted on because it snaps uh, off so yeah. easily. Yeah, right, right. You know, you don't want a baby to bite off the tuning <laughs> no, fork. No, it's, it's a choking hazard, right? <laughs> exactly. So I, I'm very, very proud of that. And then in between in between the two LO books, I did uh, Black Panther versus Deadpool as another miniseries. And I cannot recommend that book enough, by the Thank way. Thank you. That is Thank such you. a solid run. And we actually have copies here if you guys want to check it out in store. We have copies here in your iPod if you want to crawl yes, inside. absolutely. <laughs> the future is now. Mm-hmm. And Actually, just, that's probably true because they're listening to it on, on a mobile device that will allow you to make Comixology purchases. But remember, support your local comic support book shop. Support your local comic book shop. That's right. And the live setting for us is typically not a thing, so we've got people in front of us, and it's like, what? For the okay, first Gossamer. Time. Yeah, exactly. The big orange hairy monster. He's nice. He's cute. He's got the nice sneakers. He is nice. He chose the right side when it was Looney Tunes versus Monsters. I saw that movie. <laughs> wow, I didn't think a Space Jam reference would come up today. Really? In a comic oh, book story, a little bit. Space Jam reference would come up today? Just a little. Just a little. But so, who did you side with? The uh, Looney Tunes or the Monstars? Oh God, um, I, I I liked uh, Marvin the Martian was the ref, right? Correct. I always thought that was very clever because he's an alien, which means he is intended to be impartial in a contest between the Looney Tunes and aliens. And I didn't get that joke until this year. I'm 35. <laughs> I saw Space Jam as a kid. I was like, yeah, he's that makes sense. He's the ref. He's kind of peripheral. No, no, no. I was missing. He's an alien. He's got no horse in this race. <laughs> Is this what we're talking about? A little bit if you want. <laughs> All I did was say people, right? <laughs> <laughs> there we are, off the rails. Go ahead, uh, so crazy yeah, train Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. It's on on shelves now. It's pretty good. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And this is the story of um, misunderstandings. It's it's a story of misunderstandings of a classic Marvel misunderstanding, wherein uh, two of the heroes end up fighting each other. Uh, and because it's Deadpool, there's a sort of a, a fourth wall uh, reference to that, and kind of the whole book is sort of structured around uh, Deadpool's idea of what this trope is. 
and how this trope usually plays out. So he's almost like going out of his way to fight a superhero because he knows he's in a Marvel book and this is how heroes fight heroes. This is the, the, the formula that he knows. So he's taking it for a spin. Absolutely. And Eddie? Other other titles? I think we missed a, a couple to mention. Well, we have For Valiant, Quantum and Woody, which it's the most Marvel book in terms of like the comedy books of Valiant. Interesting. Yeah, I could definitely see that because I was raised mostly on Marvel and I didn't come to Valiant until uh, their like 2012, 2013 ish reboot. Uh, and that's because I uh, knew uh, James Asmus, uh, the person who relaunched uh, Quantum and Woody. And I was such a huge fan of, of that guy from just like comedy and like other writing that he had done. Uh, so um, my uh, friend and sometimes uh, editor uh, at Valiant uh, sent me a bunch of stuff and Quantum and Woody was the first thing that I read. And it's also the first thing I did. Um, the, the Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm wrong with this. I was going to say it's the, the last thing I did before uh, Black Panther versus Deadpool, but Lockjaw was actually in between. But, um, but I, I think of them as comparable because somebody pointed out to me that I was writing another like buddy comedy clashing thing with a, a straight-laced uh, black guy and a screw-up white guy who's like an agent of chaos and like the other guys really buy the book. Uh, and uh, it occurred to me that I just kind of coasted into Black Panther versus Deadpool, just like coming from this world of very similar energy. Um, the difference is they are literally brothers. Uh, Quantum and Woody are literally brothers, which I think probably prepared me better for Loki and Thor. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's all just human relationships, human relationships, punching and jokes. Very cool. And if anybody out there is wondering how to write comic books, it's just punching and jokes, it's punching and jokes and human relationships. That works deceptively for, important. The it human works for love and rockets. Yeah, man. Yeah, it did. Love rockets, punches, jokes. Yeah. For a long time. And all of it is good. Yeah, absolutely. A couple more titles. I think they were Valiant. Um, Valiant Blood, High. Bloodshot, uh, Valiant High, Bloodshot, and Unity. Yeah, uh, Bloodshot and Unity are really cool because those were my my very first uh, forays into into Valiant, but also into professional comic writing. Um, the the editor friend of mine I mentioned, uh, Alejandro Arbona. Uh, I think he and I became friendly just on Twitter. You know, talking comedy and comics on Twitter, and uh, we started hanging out. And he asked me if I wanted to do a couple of um, like fake ads in uh in uh bloodshots number 25 for a big anniversary issue and then he was putting together unity 25 which was an all humor issue uh, and he had some like amazing people involved with that like um fred hembeck does one of the covers and uh, michael kupperman is in there uh and his is really really funny um tom sharpling uh i, I want to say is in uh is in unity 25 of the big show i believe the, the best show oh, the best show, best there show we uh formerly on wfmu now podcast and um, so I got to do I got to do ads. I got to do a fake for Bloodshot. I got to do a fake Charles Atlas ad, uh, and that's my first uh, <laughs> my first uh, professional comic writing gig. Um, and it's a guy yelling, um, "Hey, wimp, squeak! Want to get punched?" Oh, jeez. <laughs> so that to me is like all of comic books is is in the DNA of that. I just like <laughs> it's like if this is the only gig I ever get, I have to get all of my philosophy about comic books into into this one panel. And then for um, the Unity Twenty Five uh, PSAs uh, I did were um, like the GI Joe uh, inspired. So uh, Unity is like a government organization in in Valiant Comics who's kind of like superhero Shield. And uh, Shield Avengers Hybrid, 
And uh, the so we did PSAs uh, in the style of the G.I. Joe PSAs with all of the Unity characters. Now and are they the G.I. Joe PSAs in the style of the ones that were on the internet with Mr. Body Massage? Someone in between. Yeah, someone in between, I would say. They, they definitely are jokes. Uh, so they embody the, the spirit and the influence of that. Yeah, and then um, that led to my first mini at Valiant, which is uh, their high school AU, uh, Alternate Universe Valiant High. Uh, which I'm really, really proud of, is now in paperback. It started as a Comixology uh, original, so I think it was a digital exclusive for a year or so. Uh, it's out in paperback now. Um, and I, I love it. I really hope people check it out because it's one of my favorite things I've worked on. And um, I think people sometimes shy away because they're not familiar with the characters, but we worked really, really hard to make sure that like Valiant fans could read this and like get all the Easter eggs and all of the the... Um, personalities, you know, like mapped onto their their high school counterparts, and then like non Valiant fans, like just superhero fans, or like um, you know fanfic readers, like people like uh, uh, high school stories, uh, could get to know the Valiant universe through this. That the door kind of opens both ways, hopefully. And you've done that also with your Marvel books as well, where it's very entry level to get in for you know the casual reader. Yeah, I mean, I try. Like, I I love doing the wonky stuff. Like, it was important to me that we do like in jokes about the origin of Lockjaw because I thought that uh, it was a question that you needed to answer if you were doing a whole uh, a whole comic called Lockjaw. Um, you know, same with like using D Man as his uh, protagonist, or you know, the the inciting incident uh, in Black Panther versus Deadpool is all about Willie Lumpkin. So, like, I'm all about rewarding the 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 deep cuts you know like the fan service uh but at the same time i think i'm hyper aware that a lot of people know about these characters from the movies right so i'm trying to make something that synthesizes all of the continuity that i'm obsessed with with the um personalities and like approachability that uh the the audience coming in totally cold might might require uh, another example is in Black Panther versus Deadpool. Um, it's very much uh, Tanahasi Coates's Shuri. Right, uh, she turns into birds in the first issue. But as in the course of four issues, you see her get a little bit more like techie, and she's right. sort of in this sort of like um, like uh, you know, guy in the chair mode to borrow from another Marvel property. Uh, that she's sort of the doing the cue stuff that she does in the movies. So uh, in my mind. It's all about the audience's uh, relationship with the characters. Right. So just trying to honor that in as many ways as we can without it feeling, um, you know, schizophrenic. And in regards to, like, for example, the Black Panther versus Deadpool story, the way you write the characters is very much on par with the movie versions. Like when I'm reading the Black Panther versus Deadpool... I'm reading it in Chadwick Boseman's voice, in Ryan Reynolds' voice, and it feels like a perfect synthesis of, or not synthesis, but like a, just merged together, you know? And it's very, again, very accessible for the audience. I hope that was properly yeah, used. Yeah, so you meant word. osmosis or photosynthesis, too, yeah. maybe. Or uh, my old ex, photosynthesis. No, I don't know. Uh, yes, all of the above. Yes. Especially <laughs> photosynthesis. But yeah, I mean, that's it. I think that no matter what I'm doing, like if I'm, if I'm doing, um, uh, you know, I write for a talk show and a lot of what we do is explain what's going on and you can't make jokes about it if the audience isn't caught up on the things that you're, that you're riffing on. Right. So I think that no matter what a writer does, they have a sort of a, I think of it as the contract with the audience, you know, they, yeah. they have a, 
not an obligation to to put themselves in the mind of the reader, but like it is a tool at their disposal to say like who is the most likely person to pick up this comic book and how much are they likely to know about these characters and and from where. Uh, and I think it just depends on what you're doing. If you're doing something that's really really challenging or really that's like for super fans only. Um, or is you know non-narrative or, or experimental? Then uh, obviously there's no rules. Uh, but um, I'm mostly doing sort of heartfelt, uh, humorous stories right now, and I think that they are similar in tone to the movies. Uh, and I want the people who know the characters from the movies to to pick them up and and hopefully feel the same way. Now, in regards to the whole history of Marvel going on with the 80th anniversary, we want to know from you, what are some of your favorite creative teams? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it's likely to <laughs> it's likely to just be the same people who did the runs that I pointed out. Yeah, um, those couple earlier, the Cockrum Burn and the yeah, Kirby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely, yes. Uh, uh, Claremont and, and Cockrum and, and yep, Burn. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, beyond them as well. Um Gosh, uh, yeah, Bendis and Malief again. You know, like I got really excited when they did things after Daredevil, uh, and and picked those uh, picked those books up. Um, uh, Fraction and uh, Aha and Wu, uh, the Hawkeye the Hawkeye team uh, was uh, of course amazing. Uh, I'm trying to think of like other creative teams who I didn't mention in those uh, in those runs. Oh, um, you know what? Um, uh, our friend from Loki, uh, Oscar uh, Basildua, uh, I loved Mr. and Mrs. X, which is really recent. Um, but uh, that's uh, him and Kelly Thompson, and those are two creators. Did that series recently wrap up? It wrapped up, yeah. Okay. So it's what he was doing right before Loki. Uh, so that's that's another uh, two two creators, I think, at the peak of their compatibility. Um, just making something fun and and good and uh, uh, sexy. Can I say sexy on the sure, podcast? Sure, sure, sure. I swear, we right? can't see anything. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's broken gambit. <laughs> and you also mentioned Parker and Davis, Excalibur, and, and yes. stuff. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. Side note too, I seem to notice going to any given con that one, or actually, they, I think they you wind up having both of them at the same. I think they they con together. They go. They travel together. They're and do, their, and do their sign. Yeah, they do their signings. Uh, not even not in the same area. Let's say on a ta- at a table or whatever. But uh, but a lot of good stuff from them as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a lifelong uh, fan. That goes forwards and backwards, right? Yeah. Lifelong. And when it comes oh, yeah. to the creative teams that you like. What are some elements that you borrow from those runs and those creators? Kind of like, you know, the uh, Borg from Star Trek assimilates, brings a little what do bit. I, what do I steal? What do I steal and put on my big blob of, of Borg? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I have to imagine a lot of it is subconscious. Um, but one thing that I look for a lot is the balance of uh, humor to... Um, story driving right. uh, story driving dialogue and uh, character building dialogue and then pure jokes um, and somebody who I think really has it figured out is Chip Zdarsky um, and uh, he's a guy who is so so funny that every book he writes could be non-stop wall-to-wall perfect gags but that's not his job uh, his job is to tell a uh, you know emotionally resonant complete story with like a narrative drive uh and i i think that that people people like that people who have sort of come from the comedy world and um 
are are uh, in some in s- some ways uh, like my my internet friends <laughs> like mm-hmm. Jeff Loveness and and Chris Hastings uh, are really good at um, teaching me a fellow comedy person like here's where you here's where you be really funny and here's where you pull back. Like, don't be afraid to cut a joke. You don't have to use everyone that you think of because sometimes that real estate is going to be a lot more valuable um, explaining something right. uh, or, or um, having, a, uh, having a silent beat or a heartfelt moment. Last character I'm thinking of and I think will pretty much be wrapped up, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, I thought I saw a heavy metal doorman. Oh yeah, thing? that's yeah. The doorman is a, a creator, creator-owned uh, comic that I did with uh, uh, my co-writer Elliot Rayhall and uh, the artist, uh, everything artist, colors, letters, uh, Kendall Good, um, and uh, yeah, we uh, published that through Heavy Metal. And I saw that logo, which has been around for I forget how long, and I, I've not dabbled too much. There you go into too much detail with that, but I mean, just some of the artwork there, and the content is just so sci-fi and out there and whatever. But to be hooked into that is another. Avenue, another uh, audience, I guess, to tap into and whatnot. Yeah, I was, uh, that one was tricky because I think that most of the heavy metal fans were, said basically what you just said. They were like, oh, this is so cool. I had all of these. I love the artwork. Uh, I'm not really a comics reader, but this looks neat. (laughs) Uh, So it's, it was, it was a, it was a hard sell sometimes, but um, we're insanely proud of it. It's out of print now. Mm. We're working on that. Uh, but if you can find it, the cheapest I've seen it on eBay is like thirty bucks, and I would pay thirty bucks for it, and I wrote it, so that's that's saying <laughs> something. So uh, when, when about was that, and how long did it run? Or it was a it was a four four or five part miniseries in um, like two thousand fifteen. Okay, I want to say um, you can you can tell that my life is kind of a blur since then. <laughs> Um, but it's the story of basically um, every civilized planet has a doorman that protects the interstellar door to other planets. So when alien tourists secretly want to come to Earth, um, the the doorman is the one who uh, lets them in and makes sure that you know it's safe to do so, or or keeps dangerous things out. And uh, Earth's doorman. Uh, has been keeping the door a secret for uh, like 50 years. He's a, he's a one day from retirement and somebody tries to kill him. So it's <laughs> this kind of like um, s- space trotting, uh, you know, for fans of maybe like Rick and Morty or Futurama or like Doctor Who a little bit. And it's on heavy metal, so it's gory. Uh, and it's aliens, <laughs> and they're blasting, you know, very vivid. Uh, Kendall draws these very, like, vivid alien head holes when everybody gets, like, laser blasted. Uh, so not for children, no, but no. Um, a really fun, funny, gory space story uh, about uh, Earth's doorman to the stars and, and uh, why, they're, uh, why they're trying to kill them. Uh, he teams up with uh, an alien detective uh, named Flower. Because that's how her name translates into oh Earth languages. <laughs> I was getting a shade of, of Stephen King and Dark Tower with reference to the doors going to other places. Oh, interesting. And I don't know if that. No, no, I don't know Dark all. Tower at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's, it's such a it's such a thing, you know. I know Stargate. Um, I know like uh, that was a good Game Boy game, by the way. Was it? Really. Hell yeah, it was a great puzzle game. No kidding. No, I had no I had no idea. I'll let you borrow it. You want to borrow? Yeah, it? Yeah, I'll borrow Stargate. Yeah, <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> it's Game Boy Color compatible, nope. right? Well, yeah, it is, but it's then I'll look like crap. I'm, but all right, all right, cool. That's, guys, if you find it, pick up the Doorman uh, from Heavy Metal by me, Elliot Ray Hall, and Kendall Good. And and uh, Stargate for, for the Game Boy. Yes, 1994. 
My God. Yeah. I'll be dead any I, day now. I don't know why I know that offhand. <laughs> no, but here we are. Sometimes you just do. <sighs> so before we wrap this episode up, we want to do our little tribute to uh, WRV's lame-ass trivia, and it's going to be a giveaway for Loki, number Woo! one, signed by Daniel over here. And Should we get an initial round of applause from the... Yes, a round of applause. Oh, sure. Put their hands together. Hey, give a thank you for coming. For Daniel I really, really appreciate it. Let's not forget that. And what we're going to be doing is... Fan uh, who wants uh, to give it a shot. All right. So we got to listen up because you got the questions. Is, but if you want to listen up and possibly get a copy. volunteer. We need that, a volunteer that who wants to answer a question about Marvel Comics. Yeah. A, a Marvel Comics. Hey, well, we got somebody approaching. All right. Can't All be right. a former guest, Charles. Hi, how you doing <laughs> Charles. Yeah. I guess we're going to have Charles. So right. the question for you is this. What comic book brand is the Marvel Cinematic Universe based on? Now think about it. What comic book brand is the Marvel Cinematic Universe based on? Oh man, I don't know that. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to give an answer. Oh man, um, it could be Gold Key. <laughs> Help from the not. I want to say Heavy Metal. Vertigo. <laughs> well, you oh. lost somehow. <laughs> All right, someone else. That was inexplicable, but now at least we've ruled one out. Yes, we have. We know it's not Vertigo. <laughs> I mean, someone else. Who's got yeah, the guess? Come on up. So, what do you think it is? Okay, sort of. we're really going for an actual honest answer. Why does this? Why does this happen to me? Okay, my advice is don't overthink it. Yes, really, don't overthink. Guys. Nobody overthink. Right. I know There's we're comic book fans. That's the second clue. Somebody said it. What comic? Yes, what comic book? Oh, that, that was such a simple question. So you won. Congratulations. Time out. Time out. You said no, Marvel. I, see, I thought you meant the specific imprint within Marvel. Oh, I, I thought that was like some sort of like... You can, you can hear re- it rippling through the crowd. Re- yeah. Rewind that to the we're much stupider than they thought we no. were. If you listen to <laughs> Peter in the beginning, he said overestimated from, us. Borrowing from WRV's lame-ass trivia. There's your clue. Okay, and don't overthink it. We credit I wonder why. So we did We did technically have a correct answer. Yes, yeah, so... Yes. Judges? I was... You won. You won. All right. We have a winner. <laughs> no one is clapping because everyone is very confused about what just happened. <laughs> or going, oh, I can't believe it was that easy. Yeah, it was. So we have we have one winner of one signed copy. If we of, want difficult questions, we can refer to my obsessed with Marvel book of trivia. I don't think we will, but <laughs> yeah, I okay. know it takes. So a that long means time. we have one more signed copy of Loki to give away, and now everybody knows that the question is going to be really, really easy. Yes. <laughs> Or, Peter, what do you think? You got the other question? I don't. I do. Okay, I knew that. So for the next question, what is the name? Wait, is it random or is somebody going to well, step? Who wants to volunteer for this question? Fine, Charles, you're going to go up ahead <laughs> one more time. So help the me redemption. God. All right, all right, I'm gonna get it this time. What is the name of Thor's stepbrother who is the star of Loki? Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> so help me God! Oh wait, wait, we got another. Yes, it is. Hey, congratulations! We, we have a winner to the gentleman in full Woo! black panther gear. That's it. That's it. Genius over here. Wakanda forever. There you go. Charles setting some kind of record by losing twice. <laughs> Tank top enthusiast Charles Peralo, ladies and gentlemen. We. All right, so for the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. 
Oh. Uh, I'm Daniel Kibblesmith, currently signing a copy of Loki. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! Why does this happen to me? (laughs) 